I got my license in the spring of 95. I saw an ad for motorcycle lessons, and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I've always wanted to ride one, and so I decided to take them, and we did practice in Ottawa in a huge parking lot and with little pylons that we had to go around, and it was very interesting, and they also had us put our bikes, motorbikes down to make sure that we could pick them up in a case of an emergency. So one of the things they said was make sure that whatever motorcycle you have, you can pick it up yourself or lift it up. You don't have to pick it up bodily, but, you know, if it falls, you're able to put it back on its wheels, which I thought was a very good thing to, to know, not get carried away. So that was basically it. I uh, was in Ottawa working for a, a landscaping company, and so going to work, I would go via Ottawa rush hour traffic. And so I learned to ride in Ottawa. But it was also a period of my life where I said, what do I do now? I was, I guess I had just turned 60 at the time, and I thought, hmm, I don't really want to stay in Ottawa, but where do I want to go? I'm on my own, so where do I go from here? And I tried everything, you know, sort of looking at a map of the world and say, does anything resonate with me? And nothing did, until I heard from my daughter, who had just moved to Galliano, saying that she was planning to go to India. And I suddenly thought, ah, oh, she's going to India. She has a place she's renting on Galliano. Maybe I can house sit for her while she's away in India, and at least that the first step of leaving Ottawa, and then from there I'll decide where I go from there. So that's how I ended up getting out here. I went on the trip with Rosalie, someone that I was doing landscaping with, and I, I knew she had a, a Yamaha 1000, and we decided that we'd ride out together, me and my little 250 Honda. She thought that would be a great road trip to take. So Rosalie and I did in fact, the motorcycle I was riding used to be hers. So that made us, you know, that was sort of special too. But the 250 Honda, you know, would go 50, 60 kilometers. I had no trouble riding it. But I still didn't feel safe on the Trans-Canada. So we went up to as far as Sault Ste. Marie and then crossed into the States and took Highway 2 across the northern part of the States because it's a four-lane highway and very little traffic. And so that's what we did, and it took us 12 days to get here. And it was it was quite a trip. Uh, we started off in the pouring rain, and then beautiful weather after that, and went across the Dakotas. And we also found at that time that in most of the small towns, you could camp on the village common. And so we would pitch our tent and camp on the village common and do a few little side trips as well when we were in the area. And, yeah, it was quite quite a, a wonderful trip. Um, I still didn't like driving on sand or gravel. And at one place in the Dakotas, I believe, they were resurfacing the road, and there was about, what, six inches of sand, hard sand, that I had to go through. And I was leading the cars and everything, and I was just, my knuckles were white. But I made it. It was about three miles of that I had to do, so I was glad to get through that. So that was a, a real test, and not too many other adventures, except when we hit Glacier National Park, we ran into a huge thunderstorm with wind, rain, 
and in the end we saw two rainbows. And at one point, going around a curve, a gust of wind hit me and I went sliding off the side of the road. Fortunately, I'm not the steep side. And lay there, had enough sense to turn off the motorcycle. And people came around, stopped their cars, are you okay, are you okay? And I said, oh, my back hurts a bit. Don't move, don't move, we'll get an ambulance. And then I began to move and I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. So I got up got out of the motorcycle out from under it and my friend put the motorcycle back on its wheels and back up to the highway. Found out that the gear had been bent, but people were so great they said, can you ride it? So I was able to ride it and it still worked and they formed behind me, the cars stayed there so no one would quickly pass and try to cut me off. So I, I was leading, you know, a motorcycle and about four cars and we went into the next town where we went to a garage and they got the lever of the gear moved out so that at least I could drive it. And I think looking back I probably cracked a few ribs but at the time I didn't didn't seem too bad. So that was it and then basically said goodbye to my friend because she had to see someone in Salmon Arm and then from there I can't remember where we separated. I made it on my way to to Vancouver and Galliano. One thing Rosalie used to say is, every two hours at least, we're going to get off the motorcycle. And I'm one that likes to get in the car and go. And I said, why? She said, no, because you get tired and you don't realize it. So, of course, when she was gone, I did four hours, ended up in Hope, and, of course, it took me about five minutes to get my fingers off the handlebars. And the first thing I did, I went into the restaurant and got a warm bowl of soup, which I put my hands around to thaw them. And then I said, now I know what she was talking about. You don't realize it when you're riding that you're not as flexible as you are when you start. So two hours max, you get off and stretch and move about. So then I came to Galliano, but fortunately, unfortunately, um, I came a bit earlier than my daughter expected, largely because Rosalie and I were planning to spend about a month just doing side trips, but she had suddenly gotten into a relationship and she was in a hurry to get across and come back and go back to Ottawa. So when I arrived on Galliano, I went to the local pub, Hummingbird, where she was working, and I saw her in the distance, but I sat outside and someone came up to me, Patty, and she said, may I help you? And I said, oh yes, I'm here. Just tell my daughter Debbie that I'm here. So she disappeared, and I could see my daughter, but she never came out. I thought, well, this is strange. What I did not know was that Debbie, as we knew her when she was younger, had changed her name to her proper name, which was Debelika, and that the owner of the pub's name was Debbie. So when Patty went to Debbie and said, your mother's here, my mother, I don't know my mother, and she looked up, that's not my mother. So, and I wish I didn't know. So then I saw, kept seeing Debelika, now I call her Debelika, Debelika, you know, serving customers inside. So finally I went up to her and said, well, I'm here. Mom, what are you doing here? You weren't supposed to be here for another three weeks. 
So we had to straighten that out. And in the end, for that three weeks, I drove and camped in Dionysio Park when you could still camp by the water down by the bay. And I picked up my campsite, and she got her friend and brought all my camping gear in her car, and we drove out, and we set up the camp. And I stayed there for a couple of nights, loving it. And then I decided to visit a niece in Vancouver, which I did. It's amazing. I still remember it was a Tuesday when I left, came back on a Thursday, got my foodstuffs, went to go into the park, and on the road to the park was a huge pile of earth. And I said, "What? what's this doing here? It wasn't here when I left. And I noticed there were some people around. There were some cars. Then a helicopter came down. Now, well, this is strange. I, what, what's happening? And then someone got out of the helicopter, and I gather it was Czech TV when I looked back. And they came up to me and said, what do you think about what is happening on Galliana with the forest lots? And I said, I don't know. All I know is I can't get to my campsite. I have nothing. I know nothing about what's happening about forest lots. And that was a period of time when, through the Islands Trust, they had stopped any building on forest lots, and it had just come down from the courts that the Islands Trust won the case. And so the people that owned beyond that had dumped earth so no one could go past because they saw that as a private road now. And I knew nothing except I couldn't get to my campsite. So then I had to phone my daughter and say, how do I get into my campsite? So she said, I think the best thing to do is contact Edmund and see if you can park your motorcycle on the reserve. So that's what I did, and he said, certainly you can do that. And so I parked the motorcycle on the reserve, and then there was a great path that went to Dionysio, and so I used to walk in, I walked into my campsite. Of course, all my gear was there. And it was one of the most idyllic two weeks I've ever spent. And in the mornings, I would walk out to get my motorcycle, drive down to Spanish Hills, which is only a couple of kilometers away, where they still had a store in a small restaurant. And I'd get a latte or cappuccino and have breakfast and uh, enjoy the warm weather because it was August and the sun, and then I'd walk back to my campsite, sit on all the rocks and find little nooks and crannies. Yeah, it was great. And then when Deb was ready to leave for India, I went and sat at her place while she went off to India. Although she did say at the time, um, you know, I would rather you didn't move here, you know, but, you know, whatever you decide. So I ended up getting house-sitting gigs after she came back. And finally in April, May, I left to go back to Ontario. And it was a strange thing because in the meantime, I left the motorcycle with her and bought a second-hand car, a station wagon, and everything I owned was basically in the station wagon. And because I was born in the States of Canadian parents, I have dual citizenship. I had American passport and a Canadian passport. So I was quite cocky crossing the border because, oh, I've got an American passport, so no need to worry. So when the customs guy said, and what do you plan to do? Well, I'm going over in, back into Canada through the States. Um, are you planning to stop? Um, he asked me all these questions, but being cocky, I said, no, everything I own is the back of my car. And he looked at me, wrote a note, said, take this to the customs officer. 
So I did that and didn't know what was going to happen. I said, well, I've got an American passport. I was still living in Canada. Um, so I went to the into the customs office and he came in. He said, may I have your passport? So I gave him both the American and the Canadian. And he looked at them and he said, well, where were you born? And I said, Roger City, Michigan. And automatically I put up my hand and put my finger on my index finger because that's where Roger City is. I mean, Michigan's like a mitt and Roger City is at the top of the index finger. He laughed and said, welcome to the States. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So he knew immediately that, you know, unless I was legitimate, I wouldn't do that because it was such an automatic gesture that, I mean, I left when I was had just turned 10, but that gesture was, was so easy. So he said, have a good trip. And off I went. So, and then I got back to Ontario and was sitting on the porch of my sister's cottage overlooking the lake, which is an area I loved, and said, I don't want to be here. What am I doing here? I'm going back to Galliano. So I informed my daughter and some friends that I was heading back. And so that's what I did. I drove back to Galliano and stayed with a friend and then eventually rented a small apartment and I, I've got a few odd jobs again house sitting still or looking after an art gallery and um, and finally I decided because I love to travel I started looking around for a base I wanted a base that was affordable from which I could travel and as a result, I applied at Page Drive, which was the senior, you know, just 16 units. And I applied within two months. I was living there, and I've lived there for the last, since 1999. And I'm still here. So I guess this is where I was supposed to end up. <laughs>